Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So you will remember last week that we began by reflecting on the movie called Monsters, Inc. and how the skilled scarers were employed in the scare factory to harvest the screams of human children to power their city, which was called Monstropolis. It was a pretty cool and fun movie, but I think we need to go back and admit that there's still a scare factory in existence today. Uh, we struggle with mind monsters because when Adam and Eve encountered the devil in the garden, they chose to believe Satan's lies over God's truth. In the process, not only did they, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, not only did we inherit their sin, we inherited their thought process. So in the process in the garden, not only did we lose relationship, and not only did we lose authority, and not only did we lose dominion, we also lost our mind. Come on, look at your neighbor, tell you, you lost your mind. Tell them, come on. Some of y'all been wanting to tell them that all morning anyway. You lost your mind. So Jesus shows up. Yeah, gee, y'all like, some of y'all had way too much fun with that right there. Uh, so, so some of y'all been telling your spouse that all week long, and now we need to do it. No, okay. So then, then, the, then Jesus shows up on the scene, and he's commissioned by God to redeem us, to restore us, to, uh, to reconcile us. Another word, he's a fancy religious word that you don't hear that much anymore, but we need to bring it back to the table is this. He came to provide justification. Uh, we simplify that like this, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. He's trying to bring us back to everything that we lost. So Jesus shows up preaching and teaching about another kingdom, a brand new kingdom, a kingdom that most of us have forgotten about, and he invites us to begin to delve back into that kingdom, and part of getting into that kingdom and understanding that kingdom is we must then learn how to think differently and to think correctly. Then he stops and he declares that we have a part to play in this because in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We talked about that last week. We have three parts. We're heart, we're soul, we're mind. And most of us have allowed, at least now, hopefully by this point in our service today, either in the building or online, by this point you've allowed Jesus to overtake and come into your heart and deal with your lost soul. But I want to tell you this morning that most of us struggle to allow him to redeem and restore our mind. The, the struggle then is that we struggle. Paul says it like this uh, in Romans chapter 7 verse 25. He declares that we serve the Lord. Not, he recognizes we're serving him with our soul. He recognizes that we serve him with our heart. But he also says this, we serve the Lord with our mind. So we must understand that we can have a new heart, we can have a saved soul, and we can still have the same mind that we started with. That's why you can come into services like this, experience and encounter the presence of God, hear good music and be ushered into his presence, hopefully hear good preaching and begin to think, well, maybe there's something, do this thing, and then leave and still think the same way you did before you got here because we've lost 
our mind. So uh, we, we, we talked last week with that there's a three-step process, and I hope you've been doing this process all week. I know I've been, per, I've been practicing what I preached. I, I, I think the only way to overcome this is we must filter, we must fight, we must focus. And so I hope you've been doing that. So Adam and Eve choose not to be influenced by the truth of God's word. They discover that their mind is now being controlled by Satan's lies. Remember, Ephesians teaches us this, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We said that the root word was principles. So one of the things that we're constantly having to struggle and fight against, do war against, wage war against is this, principles that have been set up. That's why the Bible says that we have to take every thought captive. We make it submit and obey and come into obedience to Christ. That's why we pray that the mind of Christ will be established in us. And so we're wrestling against these, these uh, principles. And th so, so they have this encounter. And there are mind monsters that are set up in their mind that are still working today. So I want us to go back and look. And we're going to begin to um, uh, unveil, pull the, pull the covers back, pull the, the curtains back so that you can see that from day one there are some mind monsters that we have been fighting against. And many of you are still fighting against them to this day. And some of you are even convinced in this very moment that you, even though you sing about these things falling, you're convinced that, hey, it's just natural for me. I'll never be able to overcome this stuff. I got news for you. The Satan is a liar. <laughs> Satan is a liar, right? And so we believe this can, we can find freedom. So here we go. These monsters are prowling the recesses of your mind on a regular basis. Genesis chapter 3, beginning of verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she says, this stuff is going to give me mind power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to help me control my mind. So she sees it's desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And this being God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So they eat this fruit to gain wisdom, mind power, and the, in that exact moment, they are overtaken by two mind monsters. Now, we can have an argument if you want to about which one of these mind monsters sets up uh, rule and reign in our head first, but I don't really care what the order is. I just, I'm just more concerned that we expose these two mind monsters one today, one week after next, that we address these and expose them because many of you are being controlled by these two mind monsters now. And so I don't really want to have an argument. I don't want you to get distracted by the fact that I'm going to preach them probably in backwards order, but I'm just going to preach them the way the Lord said for me to preach them, all right? So, 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 so notice that when they ate the fruit, that they take actions to cover themselves and to hide. Why? Why all of a sudden? I would submit to you that they hide. See if I'm wrong. Prove it if I'm wrong. Come see me afterward. Tell me I'm wrong. I think they hide and they're afraid because they are afraid of punishment and retribution from God. 
Okay, I got no, I've got no objections. In their mind, they suddenly have this idea. I wonder where that came from. They suddenly have this idea that God will be ruthless with them and that they won't be able to survive God's reaction. Are y'all still here? Okay, okay. Think about it. The only reaction, the only, only interaction they've had with God to this point much of which we don't know, but we know what, it, what the text tells us. In the cool of the day, God would show up and walk with them and talk with them. That sounds like a song. And some of y'all don't know. Okay, so he would walk with them and talk with them, right? So, so the, only, the only experience they have with God up to this point is this. Companionship, camaraderie, provision, protection, and they've never seen God angry or in punishment mode, right? Am I, am I telling them, okay, are you with me? I'm going somewhere, stay with me. So now, in one instance, they go from trusting God to fearing God. They, they instantly come to the conclusion that something bad is going to happen, and so they respond, and their response is this, we are afraid, yeah, yeah. And God comes into this, this, this experience and he addresses them and he says, uh, and he, he talks about the origin of this mind monster and he asks them this question, who told you that? Who, who told you to be afraid? Who told you you were naked? Who told you that you should hide from me? Who told you that you should cover yourselves up? He is making it clear that he didn't tell them to be afraid. And I believe in that one moment, here's one of the principles that has been established in our minds. Here it is. One of the principles that we must do warfare against on a regular basis, some of us more than others, but most, I would say all of us, we must fight the mind monster called anxiety. Anxiety. The, I, I want you to just, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just going to talk about the person next to you because somebody said one of my favorite statements is I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. And so I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. So, 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 so isn't there this sense of doom and dread that tends to rise up in us? Our minds, this is the way our minds work. They run away with us. They, 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 they think worst case scenario rather than best case scenario. Haven't you met people who have the world by the tail and yet it seems like they cannot, they, 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 they just, all the time they're unexplainably filled with anxiety over what could happen, what might happen, what may happen. Uh, even though uh, one, uh, one clinical psychologist did a study one time and discovered and proved that 85% of the things that we worry about never actually happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but because we spend our time worried about 85% of stuff that never happens, that, that anxiety shapes our world and how we view and how we react and how we believe. And there's this constant anxiety battle going on in our mind, always waiting for the other shoe to drop, always waiting for the next bad report, always waiting for the news that everything is gone. Haven't you looked in the mirror recently and met somebody that should be concerned 
content and should be full. You, you see what I did there. Uh, full, you should be joy-filled. And instead, you meet somebody looking back at you in the mirror that instead their mind is completely and constantly overwhelmed and overtaken by worry and fear and anxiety and dread. And I just don't know why I'm so apprehensive and so uncertain. Believers that trust the Savior for salvation but can't trust him enough to believe that the best is yet to come. So what we do is we get up in church and we begin to sing like, songs like this. We sing, Because He Lives. Uh, some of y'all ain't old enough. Because He Lives. I've been real old already today and y'all don't know. Because He Lives. Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He Lives, all fear is gone. Because he, I know He holds the future. Oh, and life is worth living just because He Lives. Sounds great. Sounds good. Makes a nice song. We, we get all emotional. over. Only problem is most of us struggle to believe that He actually holds our future. And so we operate in the present with worry and anxiety and fear, even though there's no unknown to him, even though there is no tomorrow to him. I got news for you. Tomorrow is the same as today for him. In fact, tomorrow is the same as yesterday for him. There is no tomorrow. He knows it all. In fact, I just need you to understand this truth. Come on, let the truth begin to break in just a little bit this morning. God's already walked into your future. He's already seen your future. He's already explored your future. There is no future to him. It's current. It's present. And so therefore, we should be filled with trust and instead we're filled with fear. So since we, we can identify this mind monster that sets up residence so long ago in our minds, we, we, we must go to war to remove this mind monster from our head. We talked about managing points of entry. We must recognize that there's a point of entry into our minds. Something's causing us to be filled with anxiety. But I, I just need to give you the, the best news this morning. Fortunately, Paul the Apostle Paul, I hope y'all been reading some Paul this week, but now let me take you one step further. Paul and Peter, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, they, they speak to anxiety and they do more than just speak about anxiety. They give us the prescription to overcome anxiety, all right? It's one thing for me to be sick, but when I go to the doctor and tell the doctor my sickness, if he can't give me a prescription to resolve my sickness, then I have wasted my copay and my patience. Right, But now we, we can come to Jesus and we can approach our Father and say, look, my mind, there's this monster operating in my mind. I'm, some of y'all are worry warts, all right? Some of y'all are wringing your hands, clinging. Your, your mind is filled with anxiety. But Paul and Peter say, wait a minute, there's a, there's a solution. So let's look at the solution. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6 and 7. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let everyone come to know your gentleness. Listen to this statement. The Lord is at hand. You missed it. The Lord is at hand. Okay, I'm gonna come back there. You better get ready. I'm coming right back there because that's an important statement that we gloss right over to get to the rest of the verse. Then he says, be anxious for nothing but... It, but in everything by prayer and supplication with gratitude, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will protect your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Great. 
Got somebody else telling me not to worry. Great. And what happens is, is that Paul goes beyond just telling us not to be anxious. Paul literally stops and works out for us how that is accomplished. Are you ready? I'm going to mess with you. I got three points this morning that are going to mess with you bad. Because if you would just do these three things, recognize these three things right here, anxiety would flee out of your mind once. And for, you might have to battle it again. Or you might have to battle it again. But you'll have the prescription. You'll be able to beat it every time. Anybody want to beat worry in the house? Anybody want to beat fear in the house? Anybody want to beat anxiety in the house? house. Anybody want to be, not be that person that always jumps to the worst case scenario, worst case solution? Solution. Anybody? Just me. Okay, okay, okay. So, so let's work through this quickly. Number one, I need to tell you that anxiety is destroyed by the presumption of God's presence. You say, what in the world? Anxiety is destroyed by presuming God's presence. Remember what happened in the garden? Adam and Eve sin, and God shows up afterwards, and during what they perceived as the absence of his presence, they are overtaken by anxiety. You missed what I just said. Anxiety is built on the presumption of absence. I am preaching right now. You assumed that his silence meant he was absent. You assume that, that he wasn't watching your situation. You assume that what you went through was so bad that he had to have been on vacation and was paying attention to everybody else but little old you. And so because you don't think he recognized and was watching over you, you make the assumption that he was absent. And I, I just be, because it took you by surprise, you think it took him by surprise. Anxiety overtakes us when we think that God is absent. So Paul shows up and he teaches us that we can destroy anxiety, but not, please stay with me, by not only recognizing God's continual presence, but also by making his presence a certainty by worshiping him. Paul says, rejoice. Paul says, have a worship service in the privacy of your own little tr trouble and in the turmoil of your life. He doubles down on it. He doesn't just say rejoice. He says, hey, wait a minute, rejoice. And again, let me say it again, rejoice, worship. Let me, let me teach you, Paul, saying that if you would learn to worship, you would destroy anxiety in your life. Maybe Paul understood what David had taught him already in the Psalms, Psalm chapter 22, verse 3, where David informs us, that God dwells in the praises of Israel. In other words, we need to understand that our, praise, our praises are irresistible to God so that now he hears our praise and inhabits our praise. So Paul says, rejoice. Paul says, bring his presence to bear. Paul emphatically declares the Lord is at hand. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be filled with dread. I don't have to be anxious. Why? Because the Lord is at hand hand. The Lord, when I begin to open up my mouth and declare the goodness of God, when I begin to rejoice, when I begin to worship, when I begin to extol him, when I begin to exalt him, when I begin to magnify him, when I begin to lift up his name, the Lord is at hand and he comes and he stands by my side. We need to change our perspective in the way that we think. We don't worry if we recognize that the God of the universe, the God with all power in his hand, the God that with one word can turn 
darkness into night. The God that can flatten mountains with one simple word. The God that can part seas. The God that can rain bread down from heaven. The God that can cause quail to fly in when I'm hungry. The God that sees me and knows me. When he's at hand, I don't have to worry. If we would learn to magnify the God who is present rather than magnifying trouble that doesn't even exist yet, then our minds would be at peace. Anxiety is destroyed by worship. Have you ever discovered, have you ever noticed that you could be worry-filled, anxiety-filled, dread-filled, fear-filled, and pull into a parking lot at a church like this, walk in, and hear the songs that are being sung. And even though you walked into the building, all confused in your mind and anxious in your mind and dread in your mind, all of a sudden during the worship service, you forget about all the stuff that was going. Why? Because, why? Because worship overtakes anxiety. That's why maybe David got it right. Maybe David understood in Psalm chapter 34, verse 1. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Maybe David knew what Paul knew that when there's music and when there's not music, when the circumstance is pleasurable and when it's uncomfortable, when I'm hungry, when I'm full, when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm strong, when I'm weak, doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter if anybody else is worshiping or not. I will have the praises of God continually flowing out of my mouth because I recognize that while I continually bless him, my mind is worry free worship and rejoice and rejoice why this mind monster called anxiety struggles to operate in the atmosphere of worship so don't presume God's absence learn to presume God's presence usher in his presence daily with praise rejoice the, his goodness never ends. Rejoice. His mercy endures forever. Rejoice in the fact that his right hand, in his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I can find some reason to worship him even when I'm afraid, even when I'm anxious, even when my mind is full of worry and fear and anxiety. I can find a reason to worship him and when I do. Anxiety flees. Are y'all here this morning? Would you just take five seconds? Somebody that came in, walked in with fear and dread. Would you just take five, just five seconds, four, three. Would you just aim? Would you just begin to rejoice? And again, I say rejoice. Just for five, four, three, two, one. He's good and he's great and he's greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Then Paul goes on and he says this. Anxiety is destroyed by proper prayer. Paul addresses our needs. Paul isn't naive. Paul recognizes that, that, that we're going to live this life and we're going to have needs. Even in the garden, after the fall, God addresses the needs the fall created. You will remember that he discards man's attempt to cover himself and he provides animal skins for clothes. Needs are real. Needs are constant. But Paul is teaching us that needs don't have to result. Listen to me. Paul is teaching us that needs do not have to result in anxiety. Okay, so, 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 so instead Paul teaches us how to pray about our needs. But that isn't news to us, is it? I, I mean, we've been taught to tell God what we need. We used to, man, I'm old today. We used to sing it like this, Jesus on the main line. 
Tell him what, man, I went, whoa, old school on some of you. Some of y'all need to go back a little bit. We need, to edu- we need to educate you, all right? There's some good old stuff back there. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want, right? So we know. We know. We know we're supposed to bring our needs to Jesus, right? Here's the dilemma. Paul teaches us that it is proper prayer that destroys anxiety. He instructs us to break the mindset of anxiety this way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with gratitude, make your requests known to God. So in other words, here's our problem. We are presenting our laundry list of needs, our shopping list, our wish list to God. And we are being overcome by anxiety because we fail to approach, God, approach our needs and our God correctly. I need a dollar bill. Anybody got a dollar bill? Who's carrying a dollar bill? I need a, I, like the, a real deal. I need like a real paper dollar bill. Anybody? I got one way back here. Somebody else dig one out. I go, I'm going to need another one. Watch this. Thank you. Anybody else up here? I don't want to run all the back. Sherry's got one in the back, but that's a long way back. Anybody else got a dollar bill? I'm getting ready to start asking for 20. You better jump in right now. <laughs> I got one from you already. Y'all watch. Look, 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 look. Thank you. So I presented a need. I need a dollar bill. And then I want you to watch what I did. I thanked them. Thanksgiving takes place at the completion of an activity. Y'all ain't getting these back. This is offering. I'll give them back. Daddy needs a Dr. Pepper. All right. <laughs> Proper prayer is when we approach with thanksgiving for completed action. We thank him for what he's already done. What has he already given you that you can be mindful of so that the fear of what he hasn't done yet is diminished? Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 3, catch this, God's power has given us everything. Wait a minute, wait, whoa, whoa. there's a powerful word right there. Let's dive into the Greek. You want to? We've done it before. What does everything mean in the Greek? Everything, everything. He's given us everything. Listen to what he says. God's power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness, that we need for life and godliness, that we need for life and God through our knowing the one who has called us to his own glory and goodness. It is finished. It is complete. So our needs are simply an opportunity for us to assert this fact that while I'm, while I'm figuring, out, figuring it out, God is working it out. Y'all, y'all, our needs are nothing more than an opportunity for us to assert this fact. This is a fact that while I'm trying to figure out how he's going to do it, God's over here because he's the author and the finisher because he finishes everything before he ever even starts it. He's already completed everything that I need, everything that I need, everything that I need. And so now I can approach him differently. Here's the proper attitude in prayer with thanksgiving. I thank him for what he's already completed. I thank him so my needs show up and I don't ask for him. I don't have to beg. I don't have to plead. I don't have to negotiate 
initiate. I don't have to twist his arm. Instead, what I do is I approach him how? Like I approach them for the dollar bill. I make my need known. And then I thank him for completed action already. By his stripes, I am healed. I thank him knowing that my healing is already complete. I pray for protection for my kids like this. I thank you that you put your angels in charge about those that fear you, oh God. You've got them. They won't fall. They won't stumble. They can't stump their toe without you knowing. I thank you in advance, knowing that you've already, I'm preaching right now. Jesus weighs in and I don't even have time to read it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 32, he says this. In summary, I'm going to do a Steve, Steve Ely version here. He says, not to worry about life. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. He says, don't worry about your body. He says, don't worry about your clothes. He says, God takes care of the birds and the flowers. And then he says this, we are more valuable to our father than birds or flowers. And then he says this, he concludes this assertion by stating, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. And if he knows we need them, then he will provide them. So we learn to approach appropriately, thanking him for completed action. Some of you are simply overtaken and overcome by anxiety because you have not come to the appropriate conclusion. Let me help you this morning. Come to the appropriate conclusion that God has already given you enough, that God has already done everything that you need, that God is watching over you more than he watches over birds and sparrows and flowers and he's so concerned about you that he's mindful of you so no need in your life can overtake the fact that he is concerned for you that ought to remove all the worry and all the fear and all the anxiety listen anxiety is destroyed when we pray properly thank you Jesus for your completed work Can y'all handle one more? Because there's a third part. This is it. Anxiety is destroyed by humility. I need to help you this morning. Do you recognize that, that anxiety and pride are a package deal? I, I've never thought about this before. But isn't this true? Adam and Eve, they think they are now responsible for their own covering. Mm. Prior to this, They've seen God as their provider. But now because a mind monster called anxiety has set himself up in their head, they suddenly come to the conclusion that we must cover ourselves. Peter jumps in in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 and 7. And he says this. Listen, listen, listen. Why do we read scripture and never connect it? Listen to what he says. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Okay, let's just stop right there because we're going to use that to talk about the new job he's going to give us and the promotions and, and the favor, but we, we failed to connect it. We put a period there. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Then he says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Another verse says, let him have all your worries and cares for he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. And I just came to tell you that too many of us can't get rid of anxiety because we can't get rid of pride. We feel like we're responsible. 
We feel like that we are responsible for the weight of provision, the weight of healing, the weight of breakthrough, the weight of protection, the weight of retirement, the weight of... Go ahead and fill fill the blank, the the, the weight of success. And we feel all that. We can't let let him have our worries and our cares if we think we're in charge. If we insist on doing things our own way, if we, if, if we, fig, we think that we've got to figure it all out, if we think that it all depends on my abilities and my ingenuity and my intellect, then it will produce anxiety in you. If we have to cover ourselves, listen, if we have to cover ourselves, then we will be covered in anxiety. Instead, here's the prescription. We humble ourselves and then we realize that he is thinking more about us than we are thinking about us. So, so we don't have to be anxious. He, listen, I, I know we've used this play on words before, but please, let's, let's, get, let's, get some, let's get some understanding. He is mindful. He's mindful. We say it like that. He's mindful of us. Let's get it right. He's mindful. He's m- Every waking moment, he never sleeps. He never slumbers. Every moment, every nanosecond, I don't know what's under a nanosecond. Is it a millisecond? I don't know. Nanosecond, what's under an, I don't know. All I know is this. Every moment, every tick of time, God is mindful. He's thinking about you. So Peter says he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. So, so anxiety and pride go hand in hand. We recognize that we've got to come to this place where Peter says, you've got to humble yourself. I've got to humble myself and, 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 and come to this understanding that I can't do this all by myself. I don't have the provision necessary. I don't have the healing necessary. I don't have the protection necessary. I don't have any of this stuff. I can't do any of this on my own. And that would freak me out. And that would make me anxious. And that would cause me to stay up at night and not be able to sleep. And have to take stuff to help me sleep. But instead, I rest in this fact. I can trust him, and he's mindful of me. So then Paul, I'm almost done. Paul says this. Paul says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will protect your hearts and your minds, there it is again, through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, come on, say, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will protect, come on, stay with me now. What are we talking about? We're talking about our mind. What protects our mind? The peace of God. What do, I, don't, I don't know what this sounds like to you. When Paul says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What does that sound like to you? Can I tell you what that sounds like to you, Pastor? That sounds like the absence of anxiety. When I have the peace of God, Paul promises God's peace. Can I tell you this morning, and then I'm going to be done, that there is an inferior, inferior grade of peace. Can I just tell you, just, can, I, can we just be real? Because we're trying to tear down monsters this morning. The world can provide peace. 
They try to all the time. On TV, they'll tell you if you get the right car, if you get the right house, if you get the right friends, if you get the right clothes, if you get the right deodorant, if you get the right toothpaste, if you get the right drink, if you get whatever, the right home security system, then you will be overtaken by peace. And they're right. Briefly. Until you have to pay for it. And then all of a sudden, anxiety comes in. How am I going to pay for this car? How am I going to afford this house? How am I going to, where am I going to get my next fix? I'm out of this thing. I can't go buy a new car every day. So there's this peace that the world offers. The dilemma is this, is that peace that is based on bank accounts and popularity and cars and houses is fleeting. But, but then there's God's peace. You want to upgrade today. Forget about upgrading your phone. Let's upgrade your peace. If you want to upgrade today, let's don't upgrade your house. Let's upgrade your peace. If you want to upgrade today, let's don't upgrade your spouse. Let's upgrade your peace. Okay, so, so God's peace is different. Here's the difference. It's durable. It's beyond understanding. I'm not anxious in the unknown because I have a peace that is beyond understanding. Man, I'm old today. The world didn't give it. And the world, why have we forgotten this stuff? The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. If you base your peace on your bank account, if you base your peace on your house, if you bank your, base your peace on your, your, what doctors you have, can I tell you that the world can take it away? Because they gave it. But if you upgrade your peace, to the peace that passes all understanding, then what I recognize is this. Lack cannot take it away. Sickness cannot take it away. Difficult situations cannot take it away. My situation doesn't even have to change because I can have peace that is, listen to this, I know I mess with words all the time. I make up stuff, well, let me make it up. We have peace that is ununderstandable. Yeah. Why? Why can folks in this room go through what you've been going through and your employee, your fellow employees that are losing the same stuff you're losing are losing their mind, freaking out, overtaken, overcome by anxiety, and you walk into the workplace like, man, I own this joint. Y'all don't even know. I took my knees to my father and I approached him with thanksgiving. He knows what I need. He knows I've got bills that have got bit paid. He knows what clothes, he knows what food I need to eat. He knows what I have to have to get to work and back from work. He knows about my family. And I walk into work totally carefree. So why are you over, why are you overtaken with anxiety this morning? Knowing what you know. Let me say it a different way. Why are you overtaken with dread this morning knowing who you know? Anxiety has to go because my mind is full of worship. Anxiety has to go because my mind is full of praise. Anxiety has to go because my mind is full of thanksgiving. Anxiety has to go because my mind is full of him rather than being full of me. Who told you that you had to be afraid? Who told you that you had to fear? Who told you that you had to be constantly worried? Who told you that the, the next shoe was going to drop? Who told you that the, you were going to get a bad report? Who told you that they were going to say bad things about you? Who told you that they were going to laugh at you and ridicule you and reject? Who told you? don't have to worry about none of that stuff. 
because you know him. Who told you that he wouldn't heal? Who told you that he wouldn't provide? Who told you that he wouldn't protect? We must fight in our mind to unseat the mind monster, cause anxiety. And I want you to learn a lesson. I didn't even know I was doing it. I just caught myself doing it this morning. I do it all the time. Didn't even recognize I do it. I often, when somebody sends me a text that they think is going to let me down, I respond with two words. No worries. Didn't even know I was doing it. I'm trying. I, I, it's been. It's, it's something on the inside of me recognizes that even though they may let me down, there's no worries. You don't have to beat yourself up. No worries. Don't be anxious over anything. No worries. Don't be worried about anything. No worries. Come on, y'all. We got to get this into our spirit because you're going to walk out of this place and bills are going to rise up and family situations are going to rise up and body situations are going to rise up and your mind, this mind muscle is going to go, I got them now. I need your response to be, no worries. No worries. Why? Because I'm worshiping him. Why? Because I'm thankful the work is already completed. Why? Because he's got me. I don't have to work. Would you stand up on your feet for just a moment and begin to worship him? Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, 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 rejoice. This morning, and you say, Steve, Jesus, that's me. Jesus, I, I battle worry. You make the darkness tremble. Some of it has been passed down to some of you. Some of you just figured it out on your own. But you say, Steve, that's me. I am filled more times than not. I'm a worrier. I'm anxious. There's anxiety that floods my mind, my soul. If they, hey, no fear here. Who told you to be afraid? Why do we hide? He can't heal what we hide. He can't cleanse what we cover. If that's you this morning, would you just boldly raise your hand? Look around you. Come on now. There are hands going. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Look around you. 
People with their hands up, keep them up. If you're standing next to somebody that's got their hand up right now, would you get your hand on them quickly? Don't, don't you dare go lay your hands on them. You're going to be some mamby-pamby, pansy little prayer. We're battling mindsets, strongholds, mind monsters. Now, if you've got your hands on somebody with their hands up, would you begin? Because if they could have done it, they would have already done it by themselves. They need some help. Would you begin to take authority over that fear in the name of Jesus right now? Come on. And if you don't know what to say, just begin to pray this. No worries in the name of Jesus. No worry. Come on, pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we combat every fear that rises up. We tear down strongholds. We come against principalities and powers that set themselves up in high places. Every imagination, we bring it into submission. We take every thought captive to the power of Jesus' name. We overtake it right now. We cast down every worry, every moment of anxiety in Jesus' name. No worries, no worries. Flood their mind with peace that passes all understanding. Let the peace of God protect their mind, their heart, their spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, begin to speak. Begin to speak peace over them. Begin to speak unexplainable, ununderstandable peace. Let the peace of God, the durable peace, the lasting peace, the sufficient peace set up in our minds. Let our minds be full of worship. Let our minds be full of thanks. Let our minds be full of humility, knowing that you're thinking on us and about us. We come against those mind monsters right now, and we tear them down by the authority and the power of Jesus. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding come and reside in our mind and our spirit through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. No worries. In Jesus' name, in no worries, in Jesus' name, no more worries, in Jesus' name. We declare that peace is going to rule and reign in our hearts, in our soul, and in our mind, and we may have been labeled as a worry ward, a worrier. It may have been passed down from generation to generation. We break that thing through the power and the authority of the same one that can save our soul. We recognize Jesus. You also have the ability, the authority, the power to save our minds. So we take authority over those things and we break them once and for all. We learn to think differently. We our minds this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, touch, touch your neighbor right now. Touch him. Say, no more worries. Come on, tell him, no worries. No worries. Touch your other neighbor, the one on the other side. Say, no worries. No worries. Come on, tell him, no worries. No worries. Then you can be seated real quick. No worries. No worries. No worries. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.